You know, one moment that is absolutely critical that companies totally forget about is the critical moments right after the sale. What you do after you close a deal really matters. How you handle that customer that is in the buyer's remorse potential stage. They could be worried if they made the right decision or not. It's absolutely crucial that you take great care of them. I had Ken Rapp, the CEO of Bluestream, who handles all of that and makes that experience amazing. He walked us through how to do it fantastically well so you can make sure your buyer journey continues post-sale so you keep great clients, they stick, they don't churn, and you grow revenue from them and the referrals they bring you. This is really important. You're going to love it. Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Yes, I am Matt and I am your host. This is Sastery in the Making. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Really excited to have you here. And I'm even more excited to have my guest, Ken Rapp with us. Ken, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. Let me tell you all about Ken. He is really, really strong. And, and this, this is really cool what he's doing. He's the CEO of Bluestream Corporation. This is a platform. It's offering unprecedented product visibility and connection with the customer in the post-sale environment, something that a lot of people, a lot of companies aren't thinking about that post-sale experience. So we're going to dive into that and talk about that. Really what the, the product does it empowers product owners to take the best care of the things that they really care about. So really, really cool what Bluestream's doing. He's also a volunteer at the Zini Foundation and WPI Tech Advisors, as well as the Worcester Hanover Theater for Performing Arts. So he's very involved in the community, very involved with his company. I love it. Once again, Ken, thanks for coming on the show. Dynamite. Happy to be here. Look forward to the conversation. Me too. Well, first off, tell me, What's going on with you guys lately and what's coming up? Yeah, so it's a really cool spot to be in. Like many emerging growth companies, our focus to date has been make sure we collaborated with a few Lighthouse customers, solved a real problem, not just because you can do it, go do it, but really, really peel back the, the layers on the problem uh, with real customer collaborators, We've got five Lighthouse customers, and we've now got our value prop down. We've got the technology running. Uh, we're you know in the market, and we're about to now launch the company commercially. I call it Go Loud um, as we go forward from here, and we're super excited about the value we're bringing to the world um, and solving this, what we call an unmet need that's right there in front of us, and we're uh, excited to be leading the charge on yeah, absolutely. Uh, finding that unmet need is really important. And it seems like you guys have found it, this after the sales. I really think that that's critical, right? When that customer is in that that kind of weird moment of, did they make the right decision? Did they not? So, so why is that time after the sale so important? So it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, it's amazing that all of the historical systems out there, many of the marketing automation systems, the selling automation systems, they focus pre-sale. And I think we've done an awesome job. If you look at the leaders in marketing automation, you can quickly go up in a SaaS platform 
you can lay out your five, you know, connection points or communications or emails that you want to send to someone. And you can use that sequence. We've all experienced them on, on probably the receiving side uh, to, to create interest in the market and start to put suspects into the top of the funnel or new customers in the top of the funnel. Mm -hmm. And then there's this awesome, uh, I mean, we've all used them for years, sales automation platforms that allow you to take that new suspect or prospect or customer and manage them through the entire selling funnel. And they start at 5% and then they go to 20%. And when they get to 90%, we get excited and then woohoo, we get them over the goal line and we do the salesperson's dance and you know they're, they're now a customer. But after that sale, as we were looking at uh, in our world is, is, you know, products, physical products, after, after someone buys something, the only connection typically back to the company is when you have a problem. You pick up the phone or you go online and you, and you call in and there's some great customer support systems and ticketing systems. And so the, the brands and, and leading companies don't drop a customer. They, they've got it all, you know, in a nice timeline and they know how to take care of that customer after the sale. But there's this huge white space in the world of what a consumer or a customer is going to do with the product that no one has addressed. And I, we look at the lens through three stages of ownership. The first is you onboard the product. So take, for example, um, being a musician, I'll say a, a guitar. And I first get that new guitar home and I unbox it and I'm, I'm looking at it and I start tuning it up and I, I start to look at all the beautiful parts of the guitar and you know how it's going to sound with these strings and all that. So that's all onboarding, we call it. Mm -hmm. And there are a bunch of touch points that I would love to have heard from the brand who I bought the guitar from to tell me how it should look and how it should behave and what I might try with it in that onboarding. The second stage we see is, and we define as the enjoyment and it's slash usage. So now I've onboarded, I've got my new instrument and I might now play, I might be a beginner, I might be an intermediate, I might be a crazy rock and roll lead guitarist like I am, you know, as I moonlight as a lead guitarist. And, awesome. um, you know, now I play a certain amount of hours and I play certain kind of strings and I'm doing classic rock versus jazz. And so there's lots of touch points there that I wish I had a coach or an advisor like the brand who I bought the guitar from or the store I bought it from to engage with me around that. Mm -hmm. And then finally, it's maintenance. There's a manual, you know, that tells me, you know, 20 pages of how to take care of the instrument and how to, uh, you know, treat the woods and, and depending on the weather and depending on how often I use it and, and maybe it's even adjust the neck over time. And, you know, I read, I looked through it when I first got the instrument and I put it away uh, and, and I forget where I even put it. So I, I can't find it again. And so again, third stage maintenance touch points. And what Bluestream has done is we've really defined this after sale product engagement as a connection platform between leading brands and retailers and their customers from onboarding enjoyment right through the maintaining and caring of their physical good that they purchased. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I think it's super important because like I said, I, so many people, 
you know, and, and, and me being in sales, my whole career growing companies and such, it's, it's always a worry when somebody purchases, you don't want that buyer's remorse. You want to make sure you continue that amazing buyer journey that you started with way at the beginning and see it through. So, so how exactly does Bluestream help after the sale to make that happen? So we, we break the world into three types of touch points. There are alerts, there are educational opportunities, and there are purchase recommendations. And I say it in that order on purpose. The purchase recommendations is the cross-sell and upsell, and I'll get to that, and it's important. But most important is to build trust with the consumer or with the customer. And when you can provide an alert about the product, for example, I've ridden my bicycle 25 miles, and so it's probably important to check the air pressure in my bicycle tires. And here's the best way and the right pressure for that specific bicycle. That's an alert. Educational um, links are, it's amazing, Matt, most of the companies we work with already have all the content. It's on their website. It's the consumer or the customer has to find has to find it, has to decide it's time to find it, rather than what we do is say, okay, if it's 25 miles later, connect the link on my website about how to adjust the brakes and fill the tires and that specific bicycle, link it right to your consumer at 25 miles. Simply by asking a question in the first week or two to the consumer, hey, how did you ride five miles this week? Or have you ridden 10 miles this week? And then letting the AI in the cloud take care of that engagement you know, that would be relevant. And we call that a retention. The whole first phase of alerts and education, a retention part of the platform. The value is you're creating huge loyalty and trust by helping yep. your consumer have a great, a great experience. So then the wow. third area is purchasing. Now, after 100 miles, maybe you do want to buy some, you know, to a toolkit that would help you adjust the brakes so that they're not quite as stiff as maybe they feel or maybe to you know, have the right kinds of new pedals that you wanna put on if you're riding 200 miles you know, in a certain period of time, or clothing or any other kinds of accessories and cross-sell, upsell opportunity. So we see uh, retention, we see revenue through cross-sell and upsell, and we see incredible referrals because if, if that brand was giving you help along the way of your experience with, the, with the, your new bicycle, you're going to tell your friends like, wow, this, this is actually the company cares enough about me to be helping me through the journey. I absolutely love it because we coach our clients Our you know, we work with founders around the world, software leaders to be caring, to not just sell, but to actually be a helper and, and guide and consult. And if you get that kind of relationship up front in the sales process, Absolutely. It should be continued. You shouldn't just forget it. It shouldn't just be, we did that to make the sale. It should be, you care about helping people. And if you really care about helping them and solving their needs, then this sounds like a great way to continue that even past, like you said, getting them over the line and, and past the close to now that you have that you know working relationship, they should be continuing to get that kind of service. Sounds like you guys are delivering that. That's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, we, what's amazing to me is we spend so much money as businesses on sales and marketing. And a lot of that money is selling and marketing to the same people who are already our customers. Mm -hmm. And yet, I, you know, I have a comment on the pre-sale environment. I actually think it's been commoditized 
through online buying. If I want to go buy a bicycle or a guitar or a lawnmower or a new pet, I go online and I type in the name and I'll get over a million hits. How on earth can these wonderful brands and great companies compete when you can go online, your consumer or customer goes online and they can type in a word and get a million, a million alternatives. That's hard to compete in that commoditized world. So we really believe that the, you know, the new uh, frontier to bring value to your customers after the sale. And, you know, we see uh, significant retention rates. We see NPS scores, you know, cranking way up there because consumers and customers love to get the help and tell their friends the revenue impact. We, you could see a, you know, 20, 30% increase in, in revenue because wow. the brand knows how to keep in touch with the customer now and how often they're using their product can make the right recommendation. Oh, you know, you need some new bedding for your pet, or maybe it's time to change the water, or maybe you're, you're going to run out of food next week. Let me make sure you have the right amount of food. Or in my instrument example, do you have the strings that you're going to, if you're playing 10 hours a week, every 30 hours, maybe you change your strings. Here's a recommendation on three different types of strings, different brightness, different X, Y, Z. And then click one here, click here. And we, we link them right back to the, whatever the brand's favorite supplier is. It could be them, which is a direct channel, or it could be over to other players that would provide the, the consumer with that product that they need. So we get retention. We get revenue and we get referrals. Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. You're hitting all the things you absolutely need. And one of the things from a SaaS perspective, what we focus on is adoption. Sometimes you get people who sign up and buy and then they get 10, 20, 100 users. And some of the users, most of the users, all the users don't use the product. And I, I can see how this is going to really, really help adoption, the way that you're delivering it, the way that you're getting that experience to be so fluid just getting them using the product often is what makes that company sticky, keeps them. You talked about retention. It absolutely is critical. And so it sounds like this is delivering that, improving that experience. Yeah. Um, and it's bringing value from the brand right to the consumer, right? And it's about the product. That's that's the cool thing. So my background is, you know, solving unmet needs. I'm, I'm old enough, uh, as you can tell, to have been around the block a few times. And, you know, it's funny because I was in the scientific community and we were looking at, um, I've been part of the teams that brought liquid handling automation to laboratories, which you, you can't go into a scientific lab without seeing automated liquid handling. I was part of the team that then revolutionized using laptops and handheld computers in science because no one, everything was on paper. Everyone was a little bit afraid of, you know, going to the digital world. And, you know, I was helping um, volunteering up at the Worcester Polytech here out, outside of Boston. And, you know, the founder came across uh, my bow in one of the entrepreneurial programs and he had a cracked guitar. And because I play guitar, I noticed and said, I wonder what, what are you up to? And it was great, you know, to understand if only that guitar brand had been connected to our my colleague, Bob you know, they could have been knowing all along in a cold New England winter by December, it's really cold and dry. And and the owners of guitars really should be told or instruments. So using the weather, using time to trigger touch points, 
using inquiries to the consumer or the customer to trigger touch points. That's what we're all about, making it really easy for leading brands to be able to build their own touch point profiles and then let them run in our cloud. And, you know, you mentioned SaaS and the reason we're so excited about the commercial launch now of the company from being sort of inside the garage with the lights going and lots of noise to like really bringing ourselves out into the street is SaaS enables us to go fast, mm-hmm. you know? So we've, we've got great relationships with our full stack, you know, platform. And we're now what we want to do is enable thousands of companies to be able to connect to their customers through after sale product engagement using a SaaS model. Beautiful. SaaS, obviously, believe it. If you're listening to this, you probably already believe in SaaS. So I'm I'm so pleased that that's what you guys are doing. But what I really want to know is, how does a guy go from science and medicine to be a SaaS CEO? That sounds like an amazing journey. I've got to hear it, Ken. So it begins with, um, you know, I, I'm, I tried the idea of like slowing down and advising and retiring, and it didn't suit me. And it didn't suit my wife either. She wanted me, you know, go back to doing something. So, <laughs> um, but really it was, I grew up in the scientific community and learned, you know, from surrounding myself with great people, uh, more experienced than me, that if you really solve a problem, not, not just go build technology because you can, but, but get very intimate with some customers, it's so rewarding to build entire market categories that were unmet needs. And so I'm really an unmet needs kind of guy. And, you know, this really, to me, appears to be a massive white space and unmet need for after sale engagement between household brands and your favorite products that you've purchased. Yet today, like I said, you could go online and type them in and you're going to get a million hits. Those Mm -hmm. I want to help, but we want to help those brands bring value to their customer and we see it as being after the sale. So that it, it really is simply another unmet need that, you know, I, I worked with our blue stream team and it's a dynamite team. And we, we, we got very intimate and very close with our five lighthouse customers. And it's, it, as you know, it's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight, but over time it got clearer and clearer that there was this missing element to sales and marketing that really could create a whole new customer satisfaction and relationship after the sale. So we're excited to go do that. That's why I'm doing it because it's, it, you know, not only are we helping the community. So here in the Worcester area, this bit of a renaissance was going on before the pandemic. Um, we're now, that's where we opened up shop. We're, uh, we're now moving forward and we'll be bringing people back and we'll be, you know, at, at, schedules that are, the rest of us are, you know, the whole world has changed in terms of work from home is cool, but we'll all have a, a center of gravity in Worcester again. Um, and so bringing jobs to Worcester is great. Helping the community is great. And then really solving an unmet need and building a category. That's cool. So that's why I'm doing it. I can see you love it. What What do you think it makes you most passionate about what you guys are doing, what you're delivering and working with your team? Yeah, it's it's the it's the idea that we're solving a real problem and you know the culture that we're building. That to me it's all about a culture. And you know, our team is awesome and our customers are an extension of our team because our culture is so focused on, you know, our customers are making them happy solving their problems and then the rewards of growth and 
business success come after that. And so really delighted to be part of this group. Um, and we've got the foundation now, and I've been through this a couple times. And now as we get out and build commercial success, what fun it is to, you know, to, to just do something very valuable for an industry and for our employees. Absolutely. It's so much fun. I've been through the process a few times myself and it's just so, you know, riveting to get there and work with the team and see the growth and see things happening, achieve goals, celebrate together. It's just, it's just awesome. And, and, and it's so cool. I'm happy for you guys and what you're going through, but I want to ask, I want to make sure we're giving great advice to everybody listening out there. What would you say have been some of the best practices that you've employed as a software startup? What are the, the best tips that we can give to others just starting out so that they can get there and achieve that success? Great question. So I have two thoughts. Uh, the first one is surround yourself with much smarter people than you, you know, much more experienced people than you. Um, and, and it's okay to not know all the answers up front uh, and, and head down a path and have people that evolve and change as you go forward based on the needs of the company. Um, so, so my number one advice would be make sure that you, you know, you're willing to surround yourself with great talent. The second is really to uh, make sure that you're solving a real problem. Uh, so often, as I've uh, advised other companies, uh, the, the companies start with a product and they, they say, I'm going to go find out because I want this product in the world. Everybody must want this product in the world. And one of the courses that we give, we actually suggest that you get out of the office and talk with 100 customers, potential customers of your product before you ever prototype the product. Just put it on a couple PowerPoint slides and go out and keep testing and testing. And so my second point really is it's okay to pivot. It's totally cool and normal to start down the path and then zig left and zig right and you know, zigzag your way. It's not a straight line from wherever you are to wherever you're going. And even now with Bluestream, we're going to learn as we're out there and we start commercial operations. We're going to get feedback and we're going to adjust and we're going to evolve. And it's it's not going to be what we had on the whiteboard, you know, in the conference room. It's going to be what's happening on the field of play that will dictate how we go forward to satisfy customers. Absolutely. Those are absolutely huge pieces of advice. I totally agree. And I love the talk with 100 customers or potential customers or people in your target market. We just had a call this morning with one of our clients and we were talking about the niche and trying to understand their niche. And I said the same thing. You've got to go out and talk with your market. You've got to go out and understand them, deeply get inside their head and get inside their life to understand their worries and their needs, their desires and their goals and all of it so that you can develop your product towards them. You can market towards them. Your sales messaging hits them just where they need to be hit. It all works out once you know your customers. So that's fantastic advice, Ken. So great, great stuff there. Can't do it in a vacuum, that's for sure. And uh, I, what's really cool about the concept there, Matt, is imagine now you're a company and I'm going back to Bluestream's platform, right? And a customer buys your product and what you, your only connection point there, other than if there's a problem, is you're hoping they'll fill out a registration card for your product. And the, from the people I talk to, it's less than 15% of the industry ever fills out one of those cards. Hmm. So imagine a different world where you have data 
that the customer wants you to have about how they're using the product, about when it's time to maintain it, how well they were able to maintain it with videos and tips and tricks, and maybe having some alerts and whether or not your messaging on the alerts actually was were clicked on. What's the conversion rates on that message type, maybe a blog versus a quick video or something. Imagine all the data you could have about your products being used in the wild. Now bring that back to your R&D. Bring that back to your product development cycles. So not only does sales and marketing gain the benefit and the business gains the benefit, but product strategy now has a rich set of data to pivot and, and adjust their go forward plans from real mm -hmm. customers that does not exist today. You know, we're ingesting about a million data points an hour and wow. we're making decisions in the cloud and supporting about a hundred thousand, you know, we call them connected products today out in the world. And it's just awesome to know that we're helping consumers with, you know, what they're going through and their enjoyment, their onboarding enjoyment and maintenance of the product, but also that these companies have, hundreds of thousands of data points that they can use to now look at how does New England like that product versus Southern California and the consumers all get to opt out or opt in and they stay in because they want the help. And so it's very value added. Very, It's it's a great time, you know, in, in business to be looking at how do we connect the company to their customer through that after sale product engagement. And, uh, you know, this has been great talking with you about it. We're very passionate about it, as you can tell. Yeah, and I love it. I love seeing the passion. I think it's a great thing you guys are doing. We are out of time today, but I really want to make sure people can connect with you. So how shall our audience learn more about you and Bluestream, Ken? So easiest thing is to go to bluestream.io, and there's no E in blue. It's kind of like blue, and you think about it in the old days, the little dots, B-L-U stream, bluestream.io. And with the same name, you could absolutely send me a note, Ken at bluestream.io. So it's Ken at bluestream without the E-B-L-U-S-T-R-E-A-M.io. Um, and I'm happy to chat with anyone who's interested uh, either helping their journey as they go forward uh, or talking about how we could help them with their business at Bluestream. Perfect. We'll make sure to put that all in the show notes or in the description down below, whether you're listening to the show or you're watching it on YouTube, any of that, we'll make sure you have the information. But this has been awesome. So Ken, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom. Matt, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And look forward to you know working with you in the future. Likewise, likewise, my friend. So everybody out there, thank you so much for coming. Make sure you're subscribing. You don't want to miss amazing content. Ken just laid out the entire way you can help your post-sale experience. Make sure you're subscribing so you get each of these every single week from innovators and creators like Ken and others. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.